Welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about, or at least remind you of, the mathematical power of gearing. Now, it's stating the obvious to say interest rates are low at the moment, um, but what we can easily miss is how powerful low interest rates can be for investors. Uh, and arguably, you know, the next few uh, decades could really provide the greatest opportunity in a lifetime just because interest rates are low. But it's a point easily to gloss over. We look at in low interest rates and go, yeah, it's cheap. But what is the impact compared to other investment strategies? That is really easy to underestimate until you actually have a look at the numbers, uh, which is the purpose of this podcast, naturally. Now, uh, before we talk about that, let's talk about interest rates and when they might rise. And really, that's the million-dollar question. I guess the short answer is no one really knows. And I always uh, think we must remind ourselves that interest rate expectations can change very, very quickly, and we need to understand that. So that is that you know one day people are talking about interest rates not rising for 10 or 20 years, and the next week could be all the talks about will the RBA increase rates at their next meeting. So it can it can turn on a dime, it can flip very quickly. And so we must ensure that uh, when we make financial decisions, we are factoring in interest rate increases into those decisions and the impact thereof, um, rather than getting lulled into a false sense of reality that interest rates just can't rise and they're never going to rise and so forth. So in terms of when will they rise, well, the RBA has been very um, firm in its uh, communicating its intentions. And its intentions, uh, as, as recent as a couple of weeks ago, is that it won't touch interest rates until they uh, see inflation uh, returning back into the 2 to 3% ban that they're targeting. And they don't think that's going to happen until 2024. So that means we've got at least another two and a half years of, of no, no interest rate increases. Um, but we also must keep in mind the level of in government indebtedness. Uh, it's the impact of interest rate increases on the federal budget. Uh, and also, you know, we've got to remind ourselves that economies can become quite reliant on uh, low interest rates. So you look at Japan as an example. It's been stuck on zero interest rates for 20 years. So for what it's worth, I reckon um, variable interest rates probably won't change materially over the next three to five years. That's, uh, you know, the the chances of of a material increase in interest rates over that period, I think, are very low. But really beyond five years, maybe what they'll do is start trending upwards. Uh, But it's really kind of difficult to see how interest rates are are going to exceed, say, five to six percent over the next few decades. So, you know, low interest rates could be really the new normal. Okay, so let's get into the whole purpose of this podcast, which is just to, uh, I guess, take you through a worked example of how effectual um, and powerful low interest rates are to a gearing investment strategy, so that is borrowing to invest. I'm going to remind ourselves that we can go out and borrow today, an investor that is, on an interest-only basis, fix our interest rate uh, and interest rates can be as low, those fixed interest rates can be as low as 2.69%. So 2.7% uh, 
Um, and, and that's, I mean, I think that's really low in anyone's expectation. And we then don't even have to worry about uh, what, what will happen in, to interest rates over the next five years, for example. Uh, so let's start with an example. Example of an investor that has $25,000 a year to invest. And whilst that investor has a few different options, uh, just broadly, the two obvious options are uh, invest that $25,000 each year into some sort of investment. That could be super, it could be shares outside of super, whatever it might be. Let's just call it an investment. Or go out and borrow a sum of money, uh, buy an investment property and use the cash flow, the $25,000 to pay for the property's holding costs. So they're the really two options, one with with no gearing and one with uh, substantial gearing potentially. Uh, If you chose the first option, which is incrementally investing $25,000 a year, and you achieved an average investment return of 10% per annum over over a 20-year period, your investment in 20 years' time would be worth $1.45 million, which is equivalent in today's dollars about $880,000. So a pretty considerable uh, amount of money uh, by any stretch of the imagination. A 10% return is really what um, most uh, share markets, geographical share markets, have done over the long period of time. Uh, including dividends and so forth. So it's a pretty realistic return, I guess. Uh, Certainly the high end, but realistic. Uh, Whereas if you chose the second option, and let's say you went and purchased a a $1.2 million uh, investment property, because fixed interest rates are slow, as I said, 2.7%, the holding costs of that property might only be uh, $7,000 but you've got a $25,000 surplus, right? So what you might do then is put the additional monies in an offset account um, uh, just to provide for uh, the, the future when interest rates rise. So you, the property's going to cost you seven grand. that will leave $18,000 left over. $18,000 can either reduce the actual loan or go in the offset account. Of course, I recommend the offset account, uh, and it provides a, a cash flow buffer uh, for, uh, d- for, for the circumstance when interest rates actually increase. For you to be in the same position as the first option, remember the first option was just investing $25,000 a year. In 20 years, it'd be worth one45 So for the property investment option to be um, equal, to provide e- equal amount of wealth in, in uh, 20 years' time, your investment property needs to appreciate from uh, $1.2 million today to $2.5 million in 20 years' time, which equates to a a compounding annual growth rate of 3.8%. Now, assuming you buy a high-quality investment-grade property in a blue-chip location with strong fundamentals, you know, strong land value component, etc., what is the chances, in your mind, of that property appreciating by only 3.8% over a 20-year period? I mean, nothing is for certain, of course, but you would have to say there's a very, very, very high probability of that occurring. So let's then uh, consider a more realistic, even though conservative, but a more realistic uh, property growth target. So if the property actually appreciated by 6% per annum, uh, your equity would be worth uh, $2.75 million in, in 20 years' time. So remember, the ungeared option, 1.45, the property option, $2.75 million. Uh, so it's almost twice as much. 
Now, to achieve the same level of gearing at 6% compounding growth, so the 2.75, you would actually need your ungeared investment to generate a return of at least uh, 15.4% over a 20-year period. Now, I think we all would agree that 15.4% probably... Um, unrealistic. I mean, if I had a client that said to me, look, Stuart, I've got $25,000. I want fifteen more than 15% return over the next uh, 20 years. Can you deliver it? Uh, it's possible. It's not impossible. Uh, but also, I wouldn't be setting that expectation. I, I think it's, it's unlikely. Uh, whereas if you look at a 6% growth rate for an investment property, uh, well, you know, if you apply asset selection principles that are evidence-based, you know, stick to fundamentals, invest in quality area areas, I don't think uh, achieving a 6% compounding growth over a 20-year period is going to be that difficult, uh, particularly for investing in a house. Uh, and if you have a look at the median house growth rate over the last 40 years, it's close to 7%, 7.5%. So 6 percent arguably still quite a conservative um, assumption. Therefore, what happens if our property achieves an 8% growth? Well, if our property achieves an 8% growth, in 20 years' time we'll have 4.5 million of equity in the property. For the ungeared strategy to produce that sort of uh, wealth, $4.5 million, we need to generate a return of 19.5%, 20% per annum on average, over a 20-year period, I would say again. I'm sure it's. Uh, I'm sure people have been able to achieve such uh, returns, but again, highly, highly, highly unlikely. So that is how uh, effectual gearing is. Essentially, with very low interest rates today, and I've um, factored in uh, eventual in interest rate increases into my calculations. There, of course, uh, but essentially. Invest uh, borrowing to invest today is um, financially comparable to earning a return of between 15 and 20 percent per annum for the next 20 years. And I think anyone that came and promised you or gave you a return of uh, 15 to 20 percent per annum, I, I think everyone would be ecstatic uh, by that achieving that return. Now, if I've lost you in a, in a description of these um, comparisons, of course, uh, just refer to the show notes or the blog on the website. Now, I'm not hitting, sitting here espousing the benefits of gearing that everyone should go out and go and borrow money to invest in property. That's not it at all. What I'm trying to do is uh, hopefully simply articulate how powerful low interest rates are. And this is your starting point as an investor. So uh, if your starting point is at the low end, so at historical lows, uh, then the chances are of your compounding returns to be significantly better off probably any time uh, over the last 100 years. And so um, I think it's such a mathematically powerful story that it's very easy to overlook. You know, we just sort of gloss over it sometimes. Uh, now, gearing doesn't suit or going out and borrowing to invest doesn't suit everyone. Of course, you need to consider, you know, whether it's appropriate for your circumstances. And some of the things that I would be thinking about is proximity to retirement, you know, how many years away you are from retirement. Uh, how how predictable and stable is your future income? 
your equity position, you know, the quantum of your existing borrowings. If you already have substantial existing borrowings, you know, there's, there is such a thing as borrowing too much, uh, so it, it, it's unnecessary. And really, mortgages are fantastic servants but terrible masters, so we must, must not uh, over-borrow. That's definitely uh, for sure. Now, of course, people could be listening to this and saying, that's great, Stuart, but, you know, what about all the risk at the moment? Um, and really, my answer to that would be, um, you know, in the last 20 years since uh, uh, founding ProSolution, uh, my business, uh, there's never been a, a fantastic time uh, to invest. There's never been a time where all the lights are green, there are no uncertainties either personally or, uh, you know, in the wider market. Uh, and, and there's no reasons not to. There's always a reason not to invest, right? And at the moment, so investors could be excused for, you know, worrying about quantitative easing, the, the central bank's printing money and what impact that'll have. Uh, how long will it take that for the global economy to recover from COVID and get back to normal? Uh, the high share market valuations, which I talked about uh, over the last couple of weeks in different podcasts and so forth. Uh, and the list goes on. There's always reasons why not to invest. So my best advice then is to change your perspective. Instead of thinking um, in terms of months or years, you know, what will happen next month, what will happen next year, think in terms of decades. What will happen over the next 10 years, the next 20 years? And in fact, the longer you look, the longer, the further you look out, um, the, the, the more it encourages you to focus on those underlying fundamentals and really block out the noise that's going on in the market at this particular time. So for example, if I put to you a really simple question, if you go and buy a property in a blue chip suburb that's had 40 years of fantastic growth um, and we think about what will happen to the demand for that location over the next 10, 20, 30 years and will that property um, increase by 4% per annum. If I show you that that property has actually increased by more than 10% per annum over the last 40 years, and the last 40 years there's been a lot of things that go wrong uh, and haven't go, uh, gone so, so right. So what's the chance of it exceeding 4%? You would go, Stuart, it's an absolute no-brainer. And so don't worry so much then what will happen over the next couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years. That's uh, neither here nor there. What's most important is really asking ourselves or inviting ourselves to really focus on the long term. And that's the best way to focus on making really good quality decisions without um, getting influenced by uh, information that might be well-meaning but is really irrelevant uh, in terms of investment decision making. So there you go. That's what I wanted to do is just share a few worked examples with you to show how powerful a gearing strategy is compared to not gearing. And what sort of returns, if you're not going to gear, what sort of returns you need to generate on an average basis over long term to be um, in an equal position? Uh, and some of those returns are, are relatively unrealistic. That's why um, gearing is so powerful. Of course, if we're going to borrow to invest, we have to absolutely have to invest in good quality assets. Uh, but I think that probably goes without saying. Well, that's it for me this week. Until next week, bye for now.